This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, so we're going to get into a new chapter tonight as we're studying the book of 1 Peter, first by verse. And uh, this is what we call expository teaching. That's what first by verse is all about. And uh, this has been a great study thus far, and I pray that it's been a blessing uh, to you. So let's look at the place here tonight, First Peter chapter 3. This, this is an eye-opening chapter, by the way, the first uh, portion of it. And uh, it deals with relationships, especially between husband and wives. Those of you that are watching at home, I pray that you would be attentive, that you would really zoom in on what we're talking about tonight because we have some uh, particularities that we need to go over, I think, from time to time anyway, but uh, now it just is before us as we uh, come to this portion of the study, and I pray that it will be meaningful as we uh, look at this incredible uh, chapter. And it's dealing with godly living in the home and godly living in the church, uh, primarily in these uh, uh, first, I guess, 10 or so verses uh, that deals exclusively with the husband's relationship with his wife and vice versa. So I want you to keep that in your mind as well. So let's look at this tonight, beginning in verse 1, 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. That's a tall order. It can be done. That's what the word says. Now, I'm going to hold my place here, and I'm going to ask you to do the same because I want you to see a passage in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 basically is an echo of this particular passage, and I want you to see this. In chapter 5, Ephesians 5, verse 22, and I'm going to read through verse number 24. And uh, this particular passage, by the way, deals with the relationship between married believers and uh, enjoying the Spirit-filled life together. So this is what uh, Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 uh, through 25. He says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's basically what 1 Peter 3 says. One is saying, and it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And from that passage alone, we find an unconditional love. This particular passage, what we're talking about tonight, is not a very popular, uh, politically correct type of passage in the scriptures for the days and times in which we live in, and I'm sure probably in the time in which it was written. But it's the Word, and we need to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. And this particular subject is a teaching, I think, in my study, it's based upon the order of creation. And according to the scriptures, and we're going to see something that uh, 
rehearses what we're talking about in Genesis 1.27. Now get that scripture up if you want to turn to it. I encourage you to do it. But while they're getting that scripture up, it's important that we keep these things fresh in our minds, that God made the man first. I want to get back to this submission thing uh, because it's not all like what maybe perhaps every man thinks it is. Um, and I realize I'm speaking to a, even a greater audience tonight in the in the internet world. So the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife. All right. Male and female, we're on the right track. Let's get back to this submission thing. If a husband, this is, I think you'll see this in the word. If a husband is not asking his wife to compromise her faith, because that's where we were in the study of 1 Peter. When the scripture says, in fact, let me call your attention once more to it. The Bible says in verse 13 of chapter 2, it says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So where do we draw the line as a people? Where do we draw the line as a faith? Where do we draw the line as Christians? When people of this world impose these crazy things upon us, are we supposed to go along with it? Well, unless it causes us to have to abandon our faith, the word says this, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them to do well. So we have an obligation to obey the laws of the land. And that's what I encourage you to do, obey the laws of the land, unless what is being imposed upon us requires us to abandon our faith. Now we cannot abandon the faith. Now, what does that mean? We spent some time last Wednesday night talking about that. We cannot stop preaching the word of God. If somebody says, then you, you can't preach the word of God anymore, then, you know, we'll just have to be jail buddies down there. We'll just have to go together. At least I hope some of you, well, I need some of you to bail me out and I hope that you would do that. But here's the thing. We cannot, listen, Jesus said he's the only way. Did he not? He said, I'm the only way the truth and the life. And he said, no man comes to the father, but by me. So what about all these other religions? That's why I said in the beginning of this, people have the right to believe whatever they believe, but don't tell me I have to stop saying Jesus is the only way because I'm too narrow minded. Well, the Bible does teach us that the straight, that there is a straight and narrow. And when it comes down to this thing about the faith in Lord Jesus and him being the only way, there's no room for compromise on my part. He is the only way. He is the truth. He's the life. He's the way. And we have to preach that. So we, we have a responsibility to obey the laws of the land unless what is being asked of us requires us to abandon our faith. And I'm not going to rehearse those messages or those teachings that we've had in the last couple of weeks. But I want to make the point in comparison about this thing about a wife having to obey her husband because it, Peter's talking about all of this stuff. As long as, listen carefully, and those of you that are watching, pay very close attention. If a husband is not asking his wife to compromise her faith, to abandon her faith, if he's not asking her to compromise her morals, if he's not asking her to break the law, 
then she should respect the leadership in the order in which God has framed it in the scriptures. Now, a woman can do this if her husband respects her. That's important. Because I don't care what condition it is, no woman should be a, a doormat to anybody, a punching bag, a recipient of brutality for any reason. So in verse number one again, I want you to look at this word here that Peter inserts in the scripture. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection. Now, he's just gone through for all of us to be in subjection to the higher powers, for us to obey the ordinance of man, for us to obey the ordinance of governors. He's just, he's just gone through all of that. Now he turns it on a domestic issue, and he says, likewise, in the continuation of this theme, he is saying, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the, look at this, by the conversation of the wives. Okay, that word conversations, that's talking about a lifestyle. That's talking about a behavioral manner. And, and by the way, that particular passage is dealing with an unsaved husband. But now look at this in verse number two, because this does get a little, it does get a little deeper as we go along. Verse number two, while they behold your chaste conversation, look at this, coupled with fear. And this, this is dealing with respect. Now, there, you, you cannot escape this. It has, that's what encompasses this whole thought. Peter's talking about respect. And in verse number three, who's adorning? Now, this is important. Let it not be the outward adorning a planting the hair, a wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. So Peter is saying that a woman should not rely on just on her outward beauty to be a substitute for her Christian character. That's what he's saying. And in verse number four, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. And so I believe a Christian woman should concentrate on the development of a Christ-like spirit. And there are a lot of benefits from doing that, a calm and gentle spirit. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 19, it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Well, I have to say amen to that. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, but, but the principal point here is this, that a woman's true adornment comes from within, not without. In verse number five, for after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in it. Now, you, you get the idea that this is not politically correct. You get the idea of that. But, but our faith isn't either. 
For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. In verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Let me say this. No woman should ever have to live in terror and should not have to live in fear and not have to dwell daily in belittlement and cruelty and profanities, but it happens. It shouldn't, but it does. And I thank God for the faithfulness of Christian women who still remain faithful to God under the most extreme circumstances under a rooftop. My heart breaks, my heart aches for people in those circumstances, but, but I see this more often than, than I would prefer. In verse number seven, the word says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together. This, this, this is what this stands out to me the most. It's this thing about a relationship is the business of being on the same page, being together in that of the grace of life. Look at this. And guys, I want to focus your attention on the latter part of verse number seven, just for a minute, because if you treat your wife in such derogatory manners, it doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible, how much you say you love God. You can stand up here and sing, oh, I love Jesus every day and treat your wife in derogatory manners. The Word of God says that if you do that, the Bible says that you are hindering your prayers. And there's not a person in this auditorium, and I don't know how many are watching tonight, but I'll tell you this. I don't know of anybody that will tell me they don't care if their prayers are hindered. Prayer changes things. We all need to live under the power of prayer. We all need the power of prayer in our life. And we shouldn't just be walking blindly off the cliff in rebellion to God's word. He said this, if, that, if you do that, if fellas, listen carefully. Those of you that are watching here tonight, listen. The word says, if you do that, that your prayers are going to be hindered. So the word is given with great admonishment that that we refrain from those types of behaviors so that our prayers be not hindered. That's important. And Peter's point here in verse 7 is to instruct men not to boss and bully and belittle their wives as if they were doormats or children or less capable of making decisions than them. Because I will tell you this, Guys, and those of you that are watching, please listen to this. I don't care how much of this book your wife will read or believe, but if you treat her horribly and cruel and unkind 
and belittle her and talk down to her. Listen carefully. No woman is capable of submitting herself to a man who treats her in unbelievable ways. Now, should a wife be in subjection to her own husband? If, according to the word of God, and that's the theme of what Peter is saying here, but you, you have to remember something, guys, that the relationship is a partnership. And the relationship should have something more attached to it than wedding vows. It should have Christ, and he should have the preeminence. And I believe perhaps one of the greatest husband and wife teams in all of the Bible, you can search it. Yes, we've talked about Abraham and Sarah, and you can, you can look at some Old Testament types. But I personally believe that one of the greatest husband and wife teams in the scriptures is Aquila and Priscilla. Take some time to study their lives. And, and see, see what was the cornerstone in their relationship. By the way, the Apostle Paul, he loved them dearly. He spoke highly of them. In fact, let me give you this scripture here. I know we're running out of time, but let me give you this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 19. They'll get this on the screen. Look at this. Salute. This is Paul. Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesphorus. All right, look at that. There's a high premium on how a husband should treat their wives. A very high premium on that. And verse 7 makes it clear that our prayers be not hindered. Peter says here in this passage that this can happen. A husband's prayers can be hindered if a husband lapses into low levels of the marital status. I realize this is not a counseling session tonight, but it sure sounds like one. When the Holy Spirit is grieved, let me assure you of this, that our prayers will be hindered. When he's grieved, our prayers will be hindered. And the devil, I, I believe the devil will take advantage in every circumstance that he possibly can in our home when he takes advantage of circumstances in our home, he'll take advantage of circumstances here in the church. We cannot forget for even a moment that as a believer, we are in spiritual warfare. Scriptures teach us that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. And so a husband's failure to treat his wife with love and kindness and consideration and courtesy, I promise you, it will play havoc in your prayer life. So let's look at verse number eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind having compassion. Now, see, so you guys thought I was onto something when you said it'd be better living in the woods than with an angry woman. But you see how, how this turns and how it puts an awesome amount of responsibility on our lives to treat women very respectfully and honorably. Finally, be ye one of mind all of one mind, having compassion one for another. Look at this. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Now, there's a biblical admonishment for husbands and wives to get along. We're out of time. It's 8 o'clock, and I have to wrap this verse up. But it can also apply to brothers and sisters in Christ. 
That's, that's imperative. Now, now, here's the thing. As, as a husband and wife, will you ever agree on everything? Absolutely not. And fellas, let me give you some advice tonight. Those of you that are watching, and well, listen carefully. So you got your mindset on this new truck, and you're going to say all these reasons why you need this new truck. And you've looked for it, and you found it, and it's a good price, and all of these things. And you tell your wife, and she's not as happy as you are about it. And she says, I, I, I don't know why I feel this way. I just don't feel this is a good thing. Let me tell you this. Whenever your wife, now I'm not talking about somebody just trying to be contrary, but whenever your wife says, I don't think we ought to do that, you need to listen to her because it's intuition. And God has given the women a gift of intuition. And 99.9% .9 of the times when she, not, I'm not talking about just being flat out argumentative and contrary, but there is something deep moving in her heart. And she says, I don't think so. You, you need to listen to that because there's something very Christ honoring in this gift. Now, as you can have differences between husbands and wives in your relationships, sometimes, and I say because you don't always agree on everything, Somebody's got to be the boss. Somebody's got to be the head. Somebody's got to be the leader. But a wife can submit to that kind of leadership if she's respected. If she's not respected and belittled, I don't care how much scripture you have stored up, it's not going to go that way. But likewise, if, if you're not going to agree on everything in a relationship with your husband and wife, listen, that also means this, that we're not going to always agree on everything as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's just not possible that we always agree. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for that and we shouldn't try to help that and nurture that, but there are times that we have to agree to disagree. I'm over my time now. So this is a good place to leave, I think, verse number eight at. And uh, I'm not finished with verse eight. Lord willing, we'll pick it up uh, with next Wednesday night, Lord willing. We can, we can, let me just say this, though, while you're closing your Bibles. We can disagree on a lot of things, but we cannot disagree with cardinal doctrines of the word. That's non-negotiable. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.